Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. Very similar to yesterday at about 915 and about 1015, we'll be having guests. So if you would like to get in, not a lot of time. This first segment of each hour will work and uh, the last segment of each hour, uh, well, the first hour will work. Um, so not a lot of time to get in if you would like to. Has anybody noticed that it's been raining a lot lately? I mean, it's just been unbelievable. Seemed like it rains a lot. If anyone has noticed, it's been me. <laughs> because my one car accident, that's a real accident, has a tour. The seal that's at the top of my passenger seat door is not intact to my car. Uh-huh. So, that's like, right now, if I got my car right now, I could see the drips of water coming into oh, my car. Oh, yeah, that's not Windows good. rolled up and everything. It, it's <laughs> just, it's it's not optimal, for sure. It is not, especially with football season starting this week. Well, and speaking of that, tonight is the first night of high school football jamborees. It will be high school football jamborees tonight and tomorrow. Many of them, I say many, several of them have have, ha- have had to change venues because jamborees are typically two or three games, and you don't want two or three games being played on your field right now, which is probably a mess, and you you know your field might not ever recover. All season long. So everybody's searching for turf fields to get to. The Cadia Vermilion Parish Jamboree scheduled for tonight in um, in rain is now going to be at Clark Field in Lafayette. And that includes North Vermilion against Eunice and rain against Erath starting at 6. So uh, some pretty good teams there and some... Um, you know, Erav can really throw the ball. Rain's got a wide receiver, a young wide receiver in Wheeler that had a fabulous year last year. And so if you just want to go see some good players uh, and some teams that you might not see, and if you live in the Lafayette area, great opportunity. Uh, you can go to Clark Field tonight. Hopefully the rain stops by then. But, you know, it's turf, and so uh, they're doing that. Tomorrow, by the way, the, the second day of the Acadia Vermeer Parish Jamboree was originally scheduled for Kaplan. That game has been moved to Brobridge, which because uh, all the St. Landry, I mean, all the St. Martin Parish, the three St. Martin Parish high schools have have turf. That will be Crawley versus Abbeville and Kaplan versus Church Point. Tonight's Jamboree originally scheduled for Delcom. The Sugarcane Jamboree is now going to be at New Iberia, which is also turf. New Iberia Senior High. That's Delcom versus Highland and Lauraville versus Jenneret. And then, of course, you have tonight the uh, day one of the Kiwanis Jamboree at Cajun Field, which is also turf, and then day two tomorrow. So a lot of people 
uh, fleeing to turf. I tried to find out about St. Landry Parish because they're scheduled to play their jamboree tomorrow night at Donald Gardner. And from what I understand, it's still scheduled for that. So keep an eye on that and see if they decide to change and try to find. I don't know where they'd go. I guess I don't have a real firm, like, what is the closest turf field to Opelousas? I don't know. Maybe someone could help us out. So if anybody knows about another jamboree that has changed sites, we're just trying to let people know because in case you're planning on going to uh, to one of these games. But again, for if you uh, like, if your team, I mean, I'm I would think a lot of fans in the Lafayette area in this parish are going to probably go to Cajun Field. I get that. But if your team's maybe not playing until tomorrow night, and you know, it might be an opportunity to go over to Clark Field and see some of these other teams, especially if they're on your schedule. Like some of these teams might be on your schedule. Like uh, it's kind of a unique game. North Indian and Eunice were in the same district the last few years. And now they're in different districts and they're playing in a jamboree. So kind of a um, unique situation. Um, and again, t- people are just trying to not mess up their fields for the season because it, it's, it's, it's been doing a lot of rain and it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not good. All right. Astros. One last night, the winning is good. Man, having Alex Bregman back is good. It's just, man, you know, he's been missing for three years. And because he's on a hot streak does not mean that the Alex Bregman of 2018 and 2019 is definitely back. It just gives you hope. Because for really over two years, somewhere between two or three years, there, I was starting to lose hope that that Alex Bregman even existed anymore. And he, um, in the last two months, he's kind of, and really the last month, he, you know, he's showing signs that that Alex Bregman is still in there somewhere, and it's still possible. And so that would be that would be tremendous. You know, the Astros have done a great job of kind of figuring out who to sign long term and and who who you can win with if you let go. You know, a lot of people and you know, we spend a lot of time talking about what is Carlos Correa going to do? What is Carlos Correa going to do? Carlos Correa has not done anything for the Minnesota Twins. Now, I'm not saying he hasn't brought leadership. But in terms of production, like, we're panicking about Yuli, and Yuli still didn't do anything. Correa's got about the same amount of RBIs as Yuli has. I mean, he, he's, he's just not really done much. Um, You know, we all love Michael Brantley. I, love, I miss Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley ain't played in forever. And they just keep rolling. El, you know, uh, Bregman was Yuli's been off almost all year uh, until like the last six to eight weeks or so. Bregman didn't do a whole lot. Um, El Perro's been in a massive slump now. The, overall, the Astros aren't hitting very much at all. In the last two weeks, their bullpen has been in shambles. And you look up and through their first 125 games, which is what the Astros have played, 125 games, they have the best record they've ever had. I mean. They won what? 
100, 807 games one year. And, and they didn't have a better record than they have right now through 125 games. This is the best. They've, through 125 games, they had never had 80 wins before. They got 80 wins last night. So they, they are, um, you know, 80 wins before September. And so we'll see how, you know, what they end up with. And they just, they just seem to find a way to continue to roll. Um, it's, it's, it's certainly very nice. But once again, the bullpen struggled last night. Now, second night in a row, they have a four-run lead going to the ninth. And they give up two runs and have base run. I mean, it, you know, two nights ago, uh, they had the bases loaded with two outs after giving up two runs when the game ended last night. They didn't have quite that. Now, you know, it wasn't like Montero got lit. He just, he just, you know, they got a a little bloop single and then they hit like a three hopper right down the left field line with the shift and. And the guy missed the left fielder misplays the ball, and then you walk a batter, and the hardest hit ball he gave up was right at Altuve, and he should have made an out, and they didn't give him an error. But it, you know, it was kind of more bad luck than than getting lit, but it still happened, and it's been happening a lot lately. So the bullpen is certainly an issue, and it'd be nice to have a clean bullpen outing because it's been a long time since that happened. Since they, oh man, the bullpen was great tonight. I hadn't said that in quite a while. Um, game three of that series um, is today against the Twins, and then they'll play the Orioles this weekend, and then and then they then they got to start figuring out if they if they can beat the little MVPs and the Rangers. The Rangers put up a, scored about eighty five runs last night. I still say the Rangers can hit. I I don't really like facing them like a lot of people think. So we'll see how the 11 games against the little MVPs and the Rangers go after this weekend. Um, I I heard less last hour on about an hour ago on RP3 and company and oh, – Hope he's wrong, but I fear that less is correct and that they they've just they're the the Saints are perfectly content with when Superman gets injured, uh, which will happen. Uh they're in and and you know that they're gonna depend on Dwayne Washington and Tony Jones. I don't understand it, but I, I, I'm trying to convince myself that um, somehow they see something that I don't see. I haven't seen for a long time. I, I just, I just don't see it. I just, and hopefully everyone stays healthy. But does anybody really believe that's going to happen? Again, I don't think people understand running backs a position. That's they're getting hit on almost every play. It's not like playing wide receiver. It's not like playing cornerback. You're not getting hit on every – like as a running back, the, the the defense's job is to hit you. I mean, that's what they do. You, you get – like quarterbacks don't get hit on every play. They protect him. You can't protect a running back. He gets hit constantly. He's either barreling into someone because he's blocking 
or he's getting barreled into because they're trying to tackle him. They're killing me with this running back stuff. Just killing me. It just it just better not rear its ugly head, or it's going to be a very ugly show that morning. I mean, it's going to be very ugly. Ugly like the weather was coming in. Man, the weather was ugly coming in. Ugly. All right, we'll take uh, one call on the hotline. We'll take a break, and then we'll, we'll shift gears to high school football, talking to Acadiana High head football coach Matt McCullough. Hello. Hey, bro. I didn't think I'd have to talk you off the ledge this soon, but uh, I guess I might as well. No, no time better than the present. Two names I'm going to throw out at you. Miles Gaskin and Daryl Williams. Okay, so Daryl Williams, why, why, why is he not working out in Arizona? He is excellent because they're real happy with the with the cat named Benjamin that they have, and a six round pick named Ingram. Ironically, that they have, they like. He's actually been relegated to fourth string. He's basically played four snaps all preseason. Wow. They love this Benjamin kid to back up Connor. So uh, he's got a million dollars that's guaranteed. So that's, that's – I don't know if that's good or bad. That seems to be affordable, but they can save a million dollars if if somebody trades for them. They can get that off their salary. And I think that's a very affordable price for another team to scoop in and offer a sixth or seventh-round pick for them. So Daryl Williams is an <laughs> option. I actually was intrigued by your Gibson thought yesterday. I just don't know what's up with him. Well, he fumbled Gaskin, five or six times last year. Yeah, and he's and he's been injury prone. But uh, I mean, to be all the way down to fourth string in, in Washington and and returning kicks is kind of for a guy that was a stud. But uh, Miles Gaskin has a two point five million dollars salary, and they've got Ahmed, which is familiar with the new coach, who split time with Gaskin last year. And if you remember, in the off season, they signed Edmonds, Moser, and Michelle. Yeah, they have 75 so, running backs. The Dolphins always seem to have that. I, I don't understand what they're doing. And my crack team was looking at it, and the two journalists that cover the uh, Miami Dolphins, both of them, you know how you do your roster predictions for the year? Both of them left Gaskin off their roster prediction list. Obviously, I know and, the and, name from a fantasy perspective, but I don't know that I know very much about how he plays Gaskin. I mean, I, I you know I know that he was an option for them for a while because of fantasy, but I you know I don't I don't know much about him. I got to tell you, he can block, he can receive, he can run. He's a potential three down back. He's kind of undersized, but he's played all three downs when forced to in Miami, and then when Ahmad came on. They used him on first and second downs and let Ahmad use, do the the heavy uh, or the passing game. But when Ahmad was hurt, Gaskin was a three down back for those guys. I'm all so, for it. Uh, again, I I, I, like, I I love the idea of Gaskin. I think he's a perfect fit in New Orleans. I'm good. I think he's a do it all back that's affordable at two point five million dollars. I ain't picky, um, cat. I just want to. I want a an NFL veteran running back who's done it for even if it's just for three or four games. Who's done it before? Well, both those names fit the bill, Kevin. I'm not both picky. Just sign me up. So have faith in this. Uh, they 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 just are, there's going to be some good running backs come available, but those are the two that my crack team came back to me with I'm, I'm, these are I'm, both possibilities and both of them are, are, good. have been relegated down the depth chart, which means you only keep so many running backs. There's usually a good one that you let go just because you don't have room for them 
or if you keep a fullback, a good one gets gone. So sign to me. I'd be I'd love to have either one of those guys, but so that's four options you got now between Drake, maybe Gibson, which I think is the least. Of, but I, I could literally see Gaskin, and we've got a working relationship with Miami from a trade standpoint. So anyway, it's it's not perilous yet. Ye of little faith, just let let the guys running the team run the team, and I think you'll be surprised when it's all said and done. The other thing, look, O.J. Howard and Mike Gusecki are talking about possibly being let go by their prospective teams. So is no Vanette. Way. Vanette's apparently the guy on the outs in New Orleans. There's no way the Dolphins are going to cut Mike Gusecki. He's, he's missed two blocks that got the quarterback creamed. He's just basically a receiving tight end, and they're trying to find some guys that can be a real tight end, that can block and catch. So if they keep him... He's going to be relegated to a passing, you know, a third down tight end, and they're saying they can't afford to pay him what they're paying him for that role. Well, I doubt that. Just, but that's we'll, just, that's all right. just what those local reporters are saying. I, I, you know, I understand. And, I understand. All right, I got to get to a break. Thanks for the call, Joey. Trying to pick you up on this rainy day, bro. All right, thank you. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good with Miles Gaskin. Again, I ain't real picky here. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back. Katiana High head football coach Matt McCullough next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Medicine season. Medicine season. Now. A season in which a college or professional sports team suffers a disappointing season due to injuries or fluky incidents, also known as paying the piper. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the ultimate tailgate giveaway. You could win $500 chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, as well as tickets to Cajun and LSU games. The, all you need to do to be eligible is join the Game Rewards Club by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. The ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. All right, we have with us Katiana High head football coach Matt McCullough. Are you, how have you handled all this rain, coach? Uh, we've been pretty fortunate as far as being able to get outside um, for the most part. We were inside Tuesday, um, but last week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we were able to get outside, and then yesterday and Monday. So, you know, we've, we were able to get outside and make more some other people. So it was a little bit sloppy, but, um, yeah, I hope at some point it stops raining because um, it's been crazy. So when you are a run first team is do you get more done when you're in, in when you're inside than if you were a pass first team? No? I mean it's more scheme work, you know, you be able to work on on the schemes and different things, but um as far as the technique and the and the different things um up front, you know, you can't go full speed, the angles um you know, I mean, I guess, but, but you know, we're working on a passing game in there, too, some of the protection. So, I mean, there's some stuff you can get done done inside, but, of course, we would rather be outside every day if we can. 
All right, so from the seven-on-seven season and now you've done a scrimmage and you're going to do a jamboree on Friday, uh, Katie plays Northside in the third game on Friday, correct? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay, so where uh, have you seen Aiden Trohan, your quarterback, who who started as a sophomore last year, progress to where uh, maybe y'all can get to a higher level in the passing game this year? Well, you know, I mean, he's doing a better job of under, understanding his progressions in the passing game. You know, of course, doing a better job of throwing the football. And then we've got some talented receivers. Um, so, you know, the ability to have some guys that uh, – can go uh, catch the ball down the field or um, get the ball to him in space and make some plays. So, you know, that always helps you pass the game. I think the tight end's coming along, starting to catch the ball. Um, you know, so, I mean, just just experience um, and the ability to understand what we're trying to do and, um, on different pass plays and the progressions on those. And then, uh, you know, protection is a big part of all that, too. So, we've been working hard with our offensive linemen on, on protecting some of that stuff. So, we're very fortunate too. I think we have two quarterbacks that can play, which is we've never we've hadn't had in the past. So you know, it's always good to have that gives us the ability to do some stuff with Aiden um, without the worry of, of of knowing if something does happen, we got somebody can go in and win a game. So um, before I get to all that, um, tell us about. Um, I think you went to Alexandria for for the scrimmage. What, what did y'all get out of that trip? Uh, I thought it was good. You know, we ran a bunch of plays against Ash and, and Neville, two of the better teams uh, in the state. Um, we uh, we got a lot of work. We had some bad things. We had some good things. But, you know, overall, you're playing good teams. You want to play the best teams you possibly can during the regular season, but also in the scrimmage in the Jamboree. Um, and, you know, they were, uh, both of those teams have, are very athletic. They can run. You're not going to see uh, many teams with better athletes than them. So, and well coached. So, you know, I think we got a lot out of it on the defense and offensive side. Do you kind of – I've had coaches tell me I'm crazy because I think this way, but, like, especially for, like, a scrimmage-type situation, do you almost want a few bad things to happen so you can kind of, well, we want to correct stuff now, or do you or, or do you, you prefer, like, maximum execution in a jamboree or a scrimmage? No, I mean, I think you, you expect some bad things to happen, and I think if you play quality opponents, it's going to happen because the speed of the game is so much different. So, you know, we, we, we pitched a few balls on the ground because of the speed of the game, different stuff that, that we had to see. You know, you had to see, um, you know, Ash can really run. Neville can really run. They're both physical teams. So, um, you know, I know I think it helps a bunch. I mean, if you come in in a, in a, in a scrimmage and everything goes perfect, um, usually the team you're playing is not, is not real good, in my opinion, because it's, it's tough to come out and be perfect, execute perfect offensively in a scrimmage jamboree no matter what because um, it's, it's the beginning of the year. So seeing real good competition and, and, and fixing some of those things that, that, that happen and then seeing the speed of the game, I, I think it helps a bunch. Again, we're speaking with Acadiana High. Head football coach Matt McCullough and those who may not have gotten the message, Acadiana will be heard all season long right here on our family of stations, 97.7 FM. Am I hearing that you have more – it seems like there's a lot more options and versatility and a lot more creativity and a lot – uh, on offense than you've had since you've been the head coach. You got two options a quarterback. You got a wide receiver that can do just about anything. You've got multiple running backs, some experience, some speed. Uh, it seems like you have a lot of options to throw at a defense that Acadiana doesn't hasn't always had in the past. 
Yeah, no, I think we I think we got some weapons. You know, I think uh, offensively, uh, maybe different than than normal is we we've got some receivers. You know, of course, got Russell, but we got a couple other receivers, two or three other receivers that can go down the field and make some plays. You know, like you said, we got a couple quarterbacks that are capable of playing. Um, and I think right now we've got a bunch of backs. We've got three backs that, that have been doing really well in, uh, in Williams, Hippolyte, and Monette, um, and some other young guys that can play. So, you know, we, we've got some weapons and the ability to do some things. Um, so, and I, and I like our tight end in the passing game. He's getting better and better. So, um, you know, we've got some weapons. We've just got to be able to execute and, uh, and continue to improve. So we have a chance to get um, better and better as the season goes. All right, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, y'all have been fabulous the last couple of years, obviously, and still a lot of talent, but more, more, um, you know, new starters perhaps, or are there more questions on the defense or have y'all answered a lot of those questions already from in August in the, in the scrimmage? You know, we'll see as we go, but I think we're, we're, we're pretty good in the secondary. I think we're pretty good at linebacker. You know, um, I think we're, uh, equal to where we've been or at least close to it as the season goes, we'll see. You know, up front, I think the the, the biggest deal on defense is depth up front. You know, I think we, we, we've got four or five guys and we need to find a couple more to give us a little more depth. But I do think, um, you know, overall, we're, we're, we're just as fast and physical as we've been at the second and third level. Um, and up front, we're just working on um, getting, getting our, our starters ready, but also developing some depth. Um, you know, because we've had a lot of guys, uh, a lot of really good deep linemen over the last few years. So, from the on the defensive side, what was the thing that y'all learned as far as we got to do this, better at this? You know, from the the scrimmage. Well, just getting lined up and assignments, and just not you know. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. You know, usually you get to uh, usually improve the most, honestly, from the from the scrimmage all the way up to the first or second game. Um, you know, we, we did a few assignments. Uh, we had a few things technique-wise, your reads. But, um, you know, we're going to get much better at that. You know, it happens. That always happens in a scrimmage. Um, you know, but that's the main thing. I thought we were pretty physical. We ran to the ball well, you know. But we just got to be able to line up and, and, and run to the, uh, you know, and get key our reads and make sure we, um, we do that and, and, and we'll get better and better. What about the kicking game? We didn't do a bunch of the stuff in the kicking game, but our kicker's going uh, to be good, um, you know, in the scrimmage because the way the format was, it was a three-way, and we kind of rotated off and on. Um, it was tough to get much kicking game stuff done, so it'll be big this week in the Jamboree. Um, but I do think we're going to be good there because our, our kicker had a chance to be really good, uh, Aiden Richard. Is that, um, you know, for a while there, y'all were kind of elite in the kicking game, and it hasn't been. So you're saying there's improvement there? Yeah, I thought Aiden was pretty good for us last year. He was only he kicked field goals and extra points. I think he was like 40 for 40 on extra points and three for three on field goals. But this year he'll do everything. You know, I think he has the ability to kick the ball in the end zone, which I think he'll do a bunch, which is big on kickoffs. You know, he's a good punter, and and, he, and of course he's a, he's a good kicker. So I, I think. Um, we had a chance to be really good there. I think he's one of the better kickers in the state. So what is your biggest question? I, I don't hear a lot of question marks here for, from you. I mean, obviously, turnovers is the great equalizer. But besides that, I mean, what's the big thing that you and your staff could be focusing on through the Jamboree in the first game of the year before you get into district play? 
Well, just cleaning up everything, you know, uh, getting better at the option game, of course. We're working on doing some things in the passing game. And then up front offensively, um, you know, just making sure we understand our assignments, technique. You know, there's some things that we messed up in the uh, in the scrimmage that we got to fix. You know, you're going to have some experience there, but you're also going to have one, one guy or one or two, but guys that didn't have quite as much experience that they need that experience. And then defensively, the biggest deal is just, um, you know, going out there and lining up and, and, and reading your keys and be able to follow the ball, which, which comes with more and more experience, which I think our guys are getting better and better at already. Um, you know, those are the keys. You know, same thing always. I mean, we didn't execute perfect in the scrimmage. We've got the ability to be good, but we still got some things that we got to continue to work on so we, so we can be or at least get to the level that we're, we're capable of. Am I correct in saying you were probably the happiest coach when the news came down that Karen Crow was joining your district, and so now you're like probably part of the biggest district in the state and don't have many games to schedule? Yeah, it helps us, you know, because it's hard for us to schedule games. Um, you know, that allows us that, to know exactly that we have eight games to start the year, and we were able to get um, LCA and John Curtis, you know, um, it, and we were playing Cam Crow anyway, so you know it, it definitely helps us because it's tough for us to find games. Helps us with travel. We'd be able to find some games, but traveling all around the state, which sometimes is not a terrible thing, but it's just tough sometimes to find those games if if our district was smaller. Well, it sounds great. Love the um, the John Curtis matchup and the LCA games have been really good. So sounds like everything is set up for another very exciting year for the Rams. We appreciate your time, Coach. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Take care. Thank you. Coach Matt McCullough, another one that I covered when he was a player. Of course, he's not that old, so that's he played in the late 90s. Pretty sure. And when Acadiana got beat in that sickening game a couple years ago, they hadn't lost a home game until the late in the late 90s when Kyle Williams, who just entered the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, was playing with Rustin. So that was – the late '90s getting to be a little bit, uh, a little um, bit long ago. It used to not seem that long ago, but now it's you know, per near twenty five years. It's getting to be a long time. All right, no, uh, I didn't. I don't know about you, but I didn't hear a lot of holes in that team from from hearing after that interview with Coach McCullough and looking at their um, their depth chart and you know. Ezekiel Hippolyte, a good old St. Martin Parish name, great name, could be one of the running backs. And then obviously, Keevan Williams, it seemed like he's been there four or five years. Lots of speed. And we've seen Monettes play at Acadiana before and get big yards. And so it is. Um, and then when, you know, I don't know that they've ever had a wide receiver that can do the things that Russell Babineau can do. So, and he's only a sophomore. So it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I think defensive coordinators, it's always been hard preparing for Acadiana because what they do, they do so well. But now they seem like there's more things for them to, more things to worry about this year with Acadiana. Their offense could um, put up quite a few points, I would think, uh, more than just quite a few. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. How much does foot despise the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you be the judge. I love turning 50 because I was no longer a 49er. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. And we were just interviewing Kenny High head football coach Matt McCullough. Um, and again, it was big news. It was kind of in the off season, but now that we're getting really close to high school football season, uh, we're obviously very excited to have the Reckon Rams on our area of station, and you can listen to Acadiana each week on MeTV FM, 97.7 FM, 13.30 AM, or on the free mobile app. So you need to take advantage of that. In addition to Acadiana High, right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, we'll have St. Thomas Moore. They should have a fabulous season. High hopes at Karen Crow High. Uh, you can hear the Golden Bears on Z1059. The Southside Sharks on Mustang 1071. The Vermilion Parish Game of the Week on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. The St. Landry Parish Game of the Week on News Talk 98.5. And the Bar Buccaneers in Calcasieu Paris on the game. 104.1 Lake Charles. So lots of great high school football action. And you can hear it right here on all our family of station. A great lineup each weekend. Got Jamboree action again tonight and tomorrow and the next week. I haven't really – I'd have to look at the schedule. I think there's like one or two Thursday games, but most people start next Friday evening. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you have any thoughts about the Saints, Major League Baseball, high school football, uh, any of that stuff, certainly feel free to call. Joey, before we went – to an interview, Coach McCullough, I um, Joey called and was talking about Miles Gaskin. So, I I kind of perceive that most of you have either never heard of Miles Gaskin, or you're like me, you play fantasy football, so you kind of know about him, but you don't really know a lot about him. Like if he walked into the room, you would have no idea who he is, um, that kind of thing. But 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 looking him up, you know, Miles Gaskin. Uh, he's played three years of NFL football, all for the Dolphins. First year, didn't do basically anything. I mean, he played a little bit, but it was not a factor at all. His second year, he had 142 carries for 584 yards, 4.1 yards a carry, and three touchdowns on a really bad offense. Um, he caught 41 passes for 388 yards and two touchdowns. And then the next year, he caught 49 passes, so he's – so he's had 90 catches in his in, in in really his two seasons that he played. The first year he played seven games but didn't get much action. Uh and six receiving touchdowns. He's also ran the ball 173 times last year. Not a lot of carries, but again, the offense was I mean yards per carry, but again their offense was not good. But he still scored the last two years uh, what's that? Six, and he scored twelve touchdowns over the last two years. So he, you know, he's done it before, is what I'm saying. And he's not. He, if he was your number one running back, you would not be happy. I'm wanting what most people him to be, or someone like him to be, what most people call your third string running back. I call him your backup running back, because to me, 
the way they, they run it in the NFL now, it's one in 1A and 2. It's not – you don't have one running back that carries the ball 30 times in a game. So, you, to me, you're, you're the guy – the role that I'm talking about a Miles Gaskin filling is really your backup running back. That's who he is. This idea that it's the third string running back, I don't think it's it's like 30 years behind the times. All right, let's uh, go to the game hotline. Hello. Footsie. How are you, sir? Hey, Kellogg. I'm doing wonderful. Footsie, Footsie, you need to start getting up on current events, my man. If you need some information on Acadia High School, just send me a text because I'm on top of things. Okay. <laughs> okay. Help I mean, me out. I'm sitting, I'm sitting there listening to the interview going like, oh, footsie, brother. They ain't got many questions. I don't know what you're asking all these questions for. KD, I reckon Rams, baby. KD, I reckon Rams. Just, all they're going to do is use the, the regular season just, just like a tune-up, just a fine tuna engine, like in a Mercedes-Benz, brother. And then, boy, when the playoffs come – Oh, my goodness. If they have to play that big rich school on the other side of town. Oh, my goodness. They already have. They are, I already talked to Matt about that. I already gave him a talking to. Now, I already gave him a talking to. But you've seen a lot of KDN high games in your life. you you got to admit, or do you not agree with me, that there might be more options and flexibility on offense this year than I can remember in a long time. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. The KDN wrecking Rams, brother. You don't want to get on the KDN record Ram side, especially if you've been dodging them for 12 long years, brother. If you've been dodging them for 12 long years, they are looking straight at you. And they got an old man that continues to tell the coach all the time, if we have to play them jokers, you best not lose. And I've been knowing Matt McCullough <laughs> since he was one month old. <laughs> I'm telling you, no. I'm oh, telling I, you I the get truth. it. He was born in July. I was. A, he came. His daddy came to Acadiana in August 1981. I was a senior in high school. You was in the tenth grade. He was my homeroom teacher. Not, uh, Scott McCullough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there that you go. But you know what? Like Scott McCullough over there at his school, he coaches running backs and linebackers. How do you coach running back and linebackers at the same time? I, I'm not quite sure how you pull that off. <laughs> unless, the, unless the running back's just running a linebacker's tackle, I guess they. I guess that's, that's how you do it. But, Footy, I'm telling you this right now. There ain't many questions on that KD and Wrecking Rams, brother. You got to play that KDN record Rams. You might want to get yourself prepared. <laughs> you might want to practice on Sunday too, because that KDN record Rams. We might, we might have, the Saints might need to get Ezekiel Hippolyte. We might need to borrow him. Well, no, the Saints got Tony Jones. Well, what you worried about? <laughs> they got Tony Jones. I mean, I, uh, footsie. Did Hannah bring two chocolate donuts? Did she bring you one, or did she just have one for herself? No, she didn't bring no, me one. No, I brought one for myself. But I want you to know, though, I am going to be the board operator for Acadiana High this year on MeTV. Well, we have Twitter and Facebook, so you better go and try to follow us on the Twitter and the Facebook. Well, I'm, I'm a, I tell you what game I'm going to be listening to. I'm going to be listening to 103.7 the whole year. So that way I'll be prepared just in case that big game comes. What, what time does the pregame start on 103.7? 
Uh, 6.30, I believe, for them, as well as 6.30 on MeTV for a kitty and a high. Well, guess what, Hannah? What? Kevin Footsie can tell you. When JPB did Acadia High School football, when I broadcasted Acadia High School football for 10 years, pregame started at 6. <laughs> okay. We did an hour pregame. <laughs> okay. Well, no, I did. Yeah, okay, I know. I know. I know. All right, the man's fired up. All right. I, I mean, it's like it, it, it's, it's like it's like you ready for me to get off the phone. Bro. That's okay. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm gonna be listening. I'm gonna be listening to one hundred three point seven the game, boy. And if Acadiana has to play him, I'm really gonna be listening because I, I can hear it now. I can hear it now. Acadiana is notorious for a rolling start. The referees are cheating. They let them roll get a rolling start. This is not fair. You can believe one thing. I, I'm fired up. I'm oh, fired I, can, up. I, I can I can tell. I can tell. Thank you. I mean, hey, I, I, I'm even ready for Tony Jones to rush for oh, no. one, one game. No, 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 no. Thanks, better. <laughs> bye bye. Take care. Oh man, the man, the man is just. Look, let's just hope. For Bitter's poor heart that that game don't happen because good, bad, or indifferent, I don't know if he can take it. That would be that would be like the Saints playing the cheaters in the playoffs for me. That would be that would be pubble. Saints playing the cheaters in the NFC Championship game. Oh, let's hope that don't happen. Well, I kind of would like to actually be in the NFC Championship. Actually, let's hope that does happen. I just don't know if my little heart can take it. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you about the Orneville Volunteer Fire Department Black Pot Cook-Off on Saturday, September the 10th. The cooking begins at 8 a.m., the eating starts at noon at the Flower Auditorium in Orneville. There'll be great music, including Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco, Dustin Sonye, and Sweet Cecilia. For more information, visit ornevillefire.org. All right, so talked quite a bit of high school football in this segment, and, and it's fitting because I'm in, in this hour, because and it's fitting because, again, tonight we have high school football in the uh we're gonna have you have three games tonight at Cajun Field, night one of the Kiwanis Jamboree. Then you have also, as we mentioned earlier, in Lafayette at Clark Field, the Acadia Vermilion Parish Jamboree starting at six. And at New Iberia tonight at New Iberia Senior High is the Sugarcane Jamboree with Delcom against Highland and Lauraville against Generette. So a lot of high school football going to be played tonight in the Acadiana area in Lafayette. Most of it's in Lafayette, but also in New Iberia. So it's um, it's here. I mean, it's you know, again, it doesn't count, but it's 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 a real game. You can go watch under the lights, as they say, and you get a chance to see. Um, High school football, and like we talked about earlier, we, we, we've got a great lineup here at Delta Media, and what you need to do is download the station's free apps to listen to your favorite teams, whether they're on the road or whether they are at home. So, um, all right. Um, I, okay, we'll do one more quick call before we get to the top of the hour. Hello. Hello. 
not, not quite there. Um, so, no, it, it's hopefully the rain will kind of die down a little bit. It is, um, it, you don't want, you know, it helps with turf. So, in addition to saving fields, I think it'll be better for the fans' viewing pleasure that they'll have turf because it'll be a little less slop, probably fewer turnovers, less slipping. You don't want somebody getting hurt slipping. And so, um, no, that is, uh, it's a good thing that they're going to be on turf and hopefully it's not actually raining during the games. We need a little break from that. But, no, it's uh, high school football is here. Jamboree's tonight and tomorrow. Look forward to that. And we'll be following, obviously, high school football all season long. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Remember, 10-15, the guru will be talking some fantasy football. We'll be back. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium, 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 this segment. It's a good time to get in. Be talking with the guru. I was not here last week. And Nick filled in and they talked, but I haven't actually talked. We haven't done our first show together, the guru and I. And so looking forward to getting in full-fledged into the fantasy football thing. And we've talked a lot of high school football this hour. Look. We've been talking about what's about to happen and what could happen. We're actually going to have games tonight. So want to um, get everyone ready for the start of the high school football season again tonight at Cajun Field. You've got Turlings against Como. You've got Karen Crow against St. Martinville, an outstanding matchup, uh, Jamboree matchup, followed by the third game, Southside and Brobridge. Southside, we talked to Coach Fontenot on Tuesday, and he told us about uh, kind of what's going on with, with the Sharks, and and they've got a, you know they 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 put out a they went to the flex bone, went from a spread to the flex bone last year, and now they've got a lot you know their quarterback back and a lot of a lot of weapons back this year. They're switching some things up on defense, so we'll see how that goes. And Brobridge is all gonna be new. I mean, they've got Coach um, Zach Lockard is gonna be a new head coach and. He's got uh, two former Cajun players, um, elite kind of Cajun players on offense and defense, and Fenroy and and and, and an ex Brobridge player in the secondary, uh, gonna be um, gonna be coaching them. So really, there's no way of knowing what's gonna happen at Brobridge. I know they're very excited. Uh, every time I you know hear. Coach Lockhart speak. He's very excited about what's about to happen there. So we'll, we'll kind of get our first view of that. I'm sure a few people went to the scrimmage, but it'd be a lot more people watching this jamboree um, and see what Coach Lockhart and Coach Finroy and Coach Trevor's Pat and, and, and the new coaching staff 
can do there. So lots of exciting uh, action. And then tomorrow night at, at Cajun Field, you got Lafayette High and Notre Dame, Cecilia versus St. Thomas Moore, and Northside versus Acadiana. And again, we just talked to Coach McCullough. So if you have any questions about jamborees, I don't, you know, or if you know any jamboree cha- schedule changes that have happened, please feel free to give us a call on the game hotline 706-0111. If you'd rather talk about Major League Baseball or college or pro, you know that's always kind of up for grabs as well. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, foot. Good morning, sir. Uh, first of all, I want to start off by saying always a, 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 a good um, a good uh, show when you got Matt McCullough uh, on the show. Awesome. Another awesome interview. Go Rams. Hopefully they can uh, go all the way this season. Uh, but uh, also I wanted just to kind of let people know if they're going out to the Jamboree next uh, tomorrow night, might want to get out there a little early to get a good parking spot because also they got a concert in the Cajun Dome also going on. So parking should be fun for that. I, I someone else brought that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, someone else brought that up. Of course, it's a it's a big parking lot at the Cajun Field, but still, yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. Yes, right. Now, I want to uh, address something that uh, your, your best friend Paul said on Crunch Time yesterday. He said that man, it's been nice breaking the brooms out and sweeping the mats and sweeping. Now, I got one question for Paul because I know he's listening. Where was his brooms against the Astros this season and against my uh, my Boston Red Sox? Because uh, they can't beat them this season. I mean, if they can't beat teams like that, how are they going to win a World Series, you know? Well, you just, you know, I, I don't really know that it's going to happen, but we'll see. I mean, you know, all you got to do to win the World Series is we get to the playoffs and win, but – they haven't uh, been able to master that just of late. Right, right, right. I mean, Aaron, Aaron Judge, he's not going to uh, get the the uh, home run record. He's going to end up getting hurt. It's just a matter of time. He's the plastic man of uh, baseball. But, uh, but yeah, he is the part of the losses. I need to make sure he's taking his medicine, man. I might have to start going over there. Yeah, you need stuff. to help the man. Be, be, be kind to him. I, I'm I'm very nice to him. Uh, hopefully, he comes out second place and you win that fantasy league. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> gave, at least you. I gave him second place. You know, I, mean, I know this in but, week uh, one. I played Paul in week one, so hopefully, you know, you know how the old cliche is: you need to be one and zero, one and zero. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But uh, thanks for taking my call and go Red Sox. All right, take care. Oh man. Those two are just constantly at one another. It just never ends with those two. Man, you would swear they hate one another. I really think they like one another. They just like to, uh, to um, you know, see old sports rivalry, what it's all about. Um, I, I did fail to mention, um, well, we talked about it last hour, the St. Landry Parish Jamboree. But as I said last hour, um, I reached out to one of the coaches, and as of now, there's no change. But So tomorrow at Donald Gardner Stadium, uh, it's North Central versus Port Barry, Opelousas versus Northwest, and Bo Shane against uh, Eunice's JV. So it will um, 
it will um we'll see if the weather changes so that's kind of the one that i was talking about when i say if anybody out there knows of any changes but i i reached out to one of the coaches uh that's scheduled to play tomorrow night at donald gardner in opelousas and as of as of this morning anyway there was no change so We'll see how that goes with the weather. Now, you know, that field may not be as bad as some of the fields down here or here and, um, you know, Rain and Kaplan and Delcom deciding, hmm, I w- you know, I don't think we want to mess up uh, this field too bad. So we'll see how all, all that plays out because it's not just for the aesthetics or it's not just for you want you don't want to play in a slop pit tomorrow night or tonight. It's that you want that field to be in good condition, you know, for the regular season and throughout the regular season. So it is a um, it is certainly a, a a cause for concern there for sure. But again, if you have questions about any of them, if we know the answer, certainly feel free to call. We will give them to you. And if you have any new information. Let us know. It's kind of, as they say, a, a fluid situation with all of these changes in, in Jamboree schedules. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, Um Tomorrow, I don't, you know, I plan on being at a high school football Jamboree, so I don't know how much, it'll, I'll tape it just in case something is worth seeing. But what might be worth seeing is to see what the Saints do at quarterback. I saw a report from Luke that in the last couple days, Ian Book has only taken one snap. So are they really going to play him in an entire jamboree, preseason game? Which, if they do, that's fine. I mean, it's a preseason game. But... Are they not going to give him? Are they going to give him that few snaps during the week to go out into a game and play the whole game? So that just makes me wonder. Like, what is their plan for quarterback? Is Dalton going to play more? But he supposedly got stepped on this week at practice. I don't know how that it's serious, but so and they cut Costello. So I I, I don't know who's going to play. Who's going to take the snap at quarterback? In all these games, in all these plays. I mean, it's not that it's important, but somebody's still got to take the snap. And plus, you, you want to be able to evaluate your receivers to see who you're going to keep on the practice squad and not, et cetera. So I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good feel at all for how the Saints are going are gonna to handle that. Suppose I didn't actually hear the, like audio of it, but supposedly Jameis is, was kind of lobbying to play, and maybe they'll let him play a series or two. Um, well, that's just scary at this point. I mean, it's just, you know, if you buy the logic that you get more out of these practices that are not really televised, then you do the jamboree. I mean, the jamboree. I'm, I'm in jamboree mode. Then, then you do in preseason games. Then why mess with it? I mess with it. Um, <clears throat> and yet, I got to believe the nerves or jitters or just getting through that, you know, it, 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 it that's more of a preseason game than it is an organized scrimmage against another team. So I don't, 
It's a tough call. I mean, I can understand either way that they go. I know this, it's safer to not play him. But, when you know, the Saints, I guess, are in a unique situation in that your backup quarterback has done a good job. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't really need the time out there, per se. Your starters had a little bit of an injury issue, and you don't really need him. And then you got this third-string quarterback who's terrible, who you probably feel like is not going to be part of your future. And so what do you do? I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of a weird situation the Saints are in. Can you imagine if they had four preseason games this year with this quarterback situation? Like, they'd have to start playing some of these other guys. You, I mean, I just don't see how you're helping your offensive line. You're not helping anybody by Ian Book being in there. Really, nobody's getting helped. It's not even like he's competing against someone for playing time. It's just, and Casper the Quitter did that to the Saints. He picked Ian Book, and then he split. <sighs> Casper the quitter. Very, um, kind of just, a, just a weird deal. And um, I certainly don't want to play, you know, any of the starting receivers if Ian Book's the quarterback, because then you certainly won't get anything out of that either. So, tough deal. Well, uh, I'm sure that's, as they say, that's why they get the big bucks. They can they can figure it out. All right, let's do this. We will take a timeout. When we come back, shift gears, talk some fantasy football. Kick that off on this show, at least with me here. Got kicked off last week with Nick. With the Guru next on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot at the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the game clubhouse on 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. If you don't join, you're not eligible for all kind of great prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen, Astro tickets, all kind of other prizes. You can't win if you don't join. So do so today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, we have with us the guru, ready to talk some fantasy football. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Kevin. Doing well. (laughs) Now, you're a St. Louis Cardinal fan. The Cardinals are on on fire so uh i don't know that you, you can't afford to be full bore into fantasy football right now because you gotta pay a little bit of mind to your cardinals i can imagine yeah shoot we lost last night so yeah i've been, <laughs> I've been playing really well as of late but yeah can't uh, can't slack off here down the stretch because uh because yeah this is home stretch i mean yeah i, I am full bore i mean i'm full bore with fantasy but yeah definitely still gotta keep an eye on the baseball <laughs> 
All right. So, um, you know, you and I have been arguing for many, many years about this whole idea about running backs versus quarterbacks and, and even receivers are into it now. So let me just ask you for those people who are out there who maybe hasn't had their fantasy drafts or you've had one and you still got more to go. Um, Besides Taylor, who obviously, you know, most people have after the big year he had last year, almost all the other running backs have recent history issues, some really dramatic like McCaffrey, others not quite as dramatic. Of all the other running backs that anybody's taken in the first round, which one would you say is the safest when you judge their injury history and and the risk there with their potential to do really well this season? Yeah, outside of Jonathan Taylor, I'd have to go with Najee Harris for that. To me, he he checked all those boxes as someone who's he's young. You know, he's only been in the league one year, so he's hadn't had a lot of mileage, as they say, as a runner. So he's, I feel like, will be able to stay healthy. The only real concern with him is the offensive line, but their offensive line should be a little better this year. Last year was just dreadful in Pittsburgh, so I'm thinking that this year Najee Harris will. Might not see quite as many of the dump offs with Big Ben no longer there, but I think he'll actually improve as a runner and should be able to stay healthy. So a lot of times, if if I if I'm at pick two, I, I consider just taking Najee. A lot of people say that's nuts because he doesn't have quite the upside of Christian McCaffrey, but I feel like his upside isn't too far behind. And to me, he's a lot safer. So how much do you judge, though, not saying he's not a, a, a good pick because he is. I, I You know, I was hoping and hoping and hoping I'd, I'd get like eight, nine, or ten in my draft and, and, and maybe get him. Um, but, but how much do you play into the fact that you, you don't really know right now who the quarterback's going to be? You, you know, we're, her, we're hearing great stuff about George Pickens, but he's still a rookie receiver. And as you said, there's been some, you know, a lot of negativity around the offensive line for the Steelers. So how much does that play into all that? Right. Yeah, that's why he's not like a, a you know, a surefire number two pick. I mean, shoot, I passed on him in our league uh, on Sunday in favor of Derrick Henry, mainly because it's a standard format where we don't get points per reception. But, I mean, it's definitely – Somewhat of a concern offense in Pittsburgh is there's a lot of question marks there. So I actually I hate having pick two where what you had. That's oh, like, that's <laughs> awful. You, that was not a good spot because after Taylor to whoever's nothing. There's no clear number two. I mean, some people say McCaffrey, some people say Nazi, some people say Henry, some people say Eckler. I mean, it's just there's no there's no real number two this year. For the last couple years, obviously Cooper Cup had this fabulous year, but. No one, I mean, nobody thought Cooper Cup was bad, but no one really expected him. And while I am here, while I am on him, is it possible? How possible is that he's going to get just totally overdrafted this year, or do you think it's possible he could come up with another year close to last year? Yeah, some people. I think if you can get him in the later part of the first round, it's good value. Some people I see though take him since there's no clear number two. I've seen him go around that range. Sometimes like two or three overall. To me, that's too high. I don't see him repeating last season of leading the league in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. But I do think he could come up with a year somewhat similar to that. I think a lot of it ought to do with Matthew Stafford's arm 
going to be back right, which is looking like it, it, it's trending in that direction. So assuming Stafford's healthy, I think Cup will come pretty close to last year, and as a result, he's, he's worth a first-round pick. But where I was going, in the last three years or so, is there anybody that has given more value to players who draft him than Travis Kelsey? Man, I don't know. Do, do we not. overthink I mean, Travis so, uh, Kelsey? So reliable do... there. And in a tight end spot that sends the V of a wasteland outside of like the top five or six guys. So, yeah, Kelsey's a – He's still in the first-round consideration. He doesn't have quite as much upside as, like, Cup or Jefferson or Jamar Chase, but he's he's somebody to keep an eye on, like, in the late first, early second round. But, I mean, to me, he's underdrafted every year. I I mean, sometimes, not always, though. Sometimes because he's a tight end, I've seen him go, like, and like last year, he'd go out like the mid first because people like, oh, I gotta get the elite tight end. Which I get it, positional advantage. But I mean, he is really good, but he, his numbers aren't quite on the level of you know those top five receivers. He's probably more like he's probably in that receiver. If he was a receiver, he'd be you know around that like mid to early second. But because he's a tight end, he gets pushed up a lot. I think his his draft position's about where it should be. All right, so another uh, – we're speaking again with the Guru Fantasy Football. Another um, issue that I want to discuss and get your opinion on, there are a lot of good receivers, not all necessarily number one receivers, but, you know, receivers that you would pick in the first five or six rounds, theoretically, that are on new teams. So of, the re- uh, of these receivers um, that I'm going to mention, and you might want to add one or two, which one do you feel the worst about and which one don't you feel well about? Obviously, you got Devontae Adams. Most people call the best receiver in football, and he's going – he's switching uh, quarterbacks, he's switching teams, and he's switching conferences. Then you've got Juju Smith-Schuster, who's been up and down in recent years. He's going from – uh, you know, to, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. You've got Allen Robinson, who I got tired of hearing about how good he was with an awful Bears offense. Well, now he's going out west, uh, theoretically, to a much better offense. Then you got middle, you know, guys further down, like a DJ Shark, who a couple years ago was good, had a good year last year, kind of he's going to the Lions. You got Robert Woods going to the Titans, and when he used to be, with, with, with better offenses. So who do you like and not like out of all these really good wide receivers who are going to new teams? Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of them. You know, Amari Cooper, too, going to the Browns. So there's just, I mean, Jarvis Landry to the Saints. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of veteran movement this offseason with the wide receiver position. More than I can ever remember. You know, Adams and Hill, that's just really – Got the ball rolling. And A.J. Brown, Hollywood Brown, we could go all, all day talking about all this, this, these changes. I mean, it's just, if I had to pick one, though, I mean, as far as one I really like, I really like Allen Robinson going to the Rams. I think he's going to bounce back in a big way after last season's disaster. I also like Hollywood Brown going to the Cardinals, a much friendlier passing attack in Arizona as opposed to Baltimore. And then the couple I don't like, and I don't, I don't like the DJ Shark thing. I don't think him and Goff will mesh too well. Same with Amari Cooper to Cleveland, going from Dallas to Cleveland's a big downgrade, especially with Jacoby Brissett having to start most of the year. 
But somebody's got to catch passes, though. Like, you look at the Browns' wide receiving core, it doesn't look very good at all, and yet, it, I mean, this isn't like middle school football. They're going to complete some passes. <laughs> like, somebody's got to catch these passes. Who's going to catch them? Yeah, I think it could be some David Njoku, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Bell, the rookie. You know, they've got a few other guys there. I just I've been burned by Cooper too much. He just he always like he'll look really good at times, but just doesn't doesn't maintain it. Just inconsistent. And I don't see him see that turning around in Cleveland with a you know a backup quarterback. How high should someone pick Tyreek Hill? Ooh, man, I would say, like, if they really like him, I guess late second round. I wouldn't go any higher than that. I just don't really like it in Miami. I know Troy is going to be mad at me, but I just don't really trust Tua, so I, I wouldn't mess with it. I mean, I still think he'll have a very nice season. I'm more down on Waddle than Hill. I think Hill, even in Miami, should still put up well over a 1,000, but I think his touchdowns go down some, and I just don't feel like he's, going to be quite as reliable over there. So I'd prefer him in the third round. But, yeah, I guess if someone really likes him, I could see late second. So so you're thinking Tyreek Hill is going to kill Waddle more than the reverse as a fantasy pick? Yes. Yes, because I think Hill, you know, they paid him the big bucks and all that. I think he's going to be the focal point where Waddle last year was the focal point. I see him being more just a complimentary piece and not really in a high-volume role to where, yeah, I see his numbers dipping and, I kind of view it like Debo and Iuke in San Francisco. You know, Miami's coach Mike McDaniel comes over from there, so I think he's going to adopt a lot of the same ideologies as Shanahan. And I think, you know, Hill's going to be their focal point, and then Waddle's going to be the inconsistent second receiver. Again, we're speaking with the guru. Speaking of Debo Samuel, he you know, he was – nowhere near a top five fantasy pick going into last year, and he is on a lot of boards right now. And and he's going to be, you know, he went through this offseason with a contract dispute. Uh, there was some talk that he didn't want to really get as many carries. So if he doesn't get as many carries and he has a, you know, a I know he's not a rookie, but essentially a rookie quarterback throwing to him, is he going to be overdrafted, not because he's not a good player, but because of the circumstances that he's in? Yeah, he might be slightly overdrafted because he's going to be tough for him to repeat last season. I do think, though, that the carries thing is, like, I'm not worried about that because I feel like he's going to, if they need him to run, he'll run because of his new contract. They have incentive bonuses for if he gets carries. So, like, if anything, he might want some carries to, to get those, you know, a little extra money. So, like, I, I'm not – I think that won't be an issue at all. But, yeah, the quarterback thing could be an issue because he did really well last year with Jimmy G, and now it's going to be Trey Lance. So, it could be a bit of a transition there. And they say Lance really likes Ayuk, so it could be a little more of Ayuk. And, I mean, I still think Devo is going to see enough volume to be a – a top 10 receiver, but as far as the top five like last year, yeah, it's going to be tough for him to repeat that. How about one more on, on, on this, and then we'll take a timeout and come back, but um, how much of a of a upside do you think Robert Woods has with the Titans considering, you know, they had all these receivers last year. They don't have, you know, there's not much at receiver anymore. And their first-round pick, I mean – 
Was he even picked in our draft? I don't even think he was picked. I mean, uh, you know, they draft a receiver in the first round, and and, and all you've heard about Burks is negative stuff. So, how, what what do you see as the ceiling for Woods? Right, yeah, Trey Burks is uh, is really not panned out so far. He's he's had a obviously blown a disastrous off season in training camp. He's just he's had a lot of conditioning issues and. Been running with the ones. He's been running lots of with the threes, just like way off the where. Yeah, Woods. At least I think Woods will be like a first half darling. I think in the first half he'll do really well because they have an AJ Brown and Julio going. There'll be a lot of vacated targets. Just the issue is with Tennessee, they're just not a very pass happy offense, especially the Derrick Henry back. So we all know they're going to lean on the run, so it kind of caps Woods upside. But in PPR league, I really like him for, for early on. I think he'll have a nice first half. But I think Burks will turn it around at some point. And by the second half, I think Woods will kind of tail off. But but not a bad pick in the middle rounds. Lots of you can get him at a good value. All right. We are, again, talking fantasy football with the guru. We'll take a timeout, come back with more, shift to some uh, different positions and different issues with the Guru next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We're talking fantasy football with the guru. I said we were done with wide receivers, but I lied. Uh, there's a couple other receivers that I want to um, throw by you. One group, guru, is, you know, you may not have – like a real high opinion on some of these uh, guys ranking-wise, but they're theoretically number ones on bad passing offenses. So are they worth picking, you know, at that in that second or third group? And I'm talking about guys like um, DK Metcalf, who's very, you know, the, the, the nobody is high on the quarterback situation or the overall team situation, but someone's got to catch passes there. A uh, Devonte Parker. Could he have a big year? Darnell Moody or a Christian Kirk. How, how, how do you look at that group there? Who do you like and not like? Yeah, I, I actually kind of like Mooney because I feel like, like you said, somebody's got to catch passes there in Chicago. And I think he'll definitely be that guy. The rest of their receiving core is a dumpster fire. So I'm, like Mooney, and also like Kirk in Jacksonville working with Trevor Lawrence. You know, he's somebody that a lot of people laughed at Jacksonville for paying him a big contract this offseason. But he's a quality receiver, showing a good rapport with Lawrence so far. I think he'll have a, a nice season. DK Metcalf, though, I'm very concerned about. I'm, I don't like him at all this year. Going to what's a terrible offense in Seattle. Still has Tyler Lockett there, so it's not like he's the only one that's going to be targeted. And I feel like those two are just going to kind of hurt each other, being that offense is, is not really good enough, I don't feel like, to support 2,000-yard receivers. And then uh, Parker, and I don't really like his situation either in New England because they've also got Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Moore, and just a lot of mouths to feed over there, Hunter Henry. So, yeah, I would say I'd fade Metcalf and Parker and target Mooney and uh, 
forgot who else we had mentioned, but uh, no, yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. All right, Mooney and I. I can't think of who it was, man. Christian Kirk. No, that's okay. Um, now, okay, getting to running back. If I told you, or if you went into a draft and you're convinced, and a lot of people are, I'm not, I've been through too much the last three years to be convinced of anything. But if I told you going into a draft that Z28, 41 Alvin Kamara, was not going to get suspended, where would you pick him? Oh man, I would say probably the like back into the first round. So because I still think it's a slim chance it gets suspended, I probably won't touch him until like the early second round. But I feel like oh, at this point, the uh, suspension's looking less and less likely to where I would. I, I, but again, but again, like if but again, if I, but again, Guru, if I told you zero chance of suspension. Okay. Oh well, then yeah, I, I first round pick. But how high? It's still not, like, super high. I mean, I just – I still have some questions about now how much Jameis is going to check it down and stuff. And, you know, I would – I'd probably say about 10th pick somewhere in there, 8 to 10. All right. So, it's kind of fascinating because you have McCaffrey who hadn't played in three years. Um, you, you, you have Saquon who hadn't played in three years. And you have Ezekiel Elliott, who used to be premier, who's now most people look at as a donkey. So, um, I mean, which one of those guys, like, you know, are, are you ready to trust those guys or no? Uh, Zeke, no, I don't, I'm not willing to trust Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, McCaffrey, I, I feel like if you can get him in, like, the middle of the first, like, you got to do it. You know, he fell in our draft uh, Sunday, the, the fifth overall to me at that point. He just he got to take a chance, you know. I think like with Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, you know, those guys. You know, they they uh, those elite talents fall a little bit. You gotta you gotta take the chance on them because there's just so much upside to be had with them. Who else did you mention? I know you said McCaffrey, Barkley, hmm? Saquon Barkley. Oh yeah, Saquon. Yeah, Saquon's really interesting. I think he's a he's a pretty good value in the second round because I see him bouncing back. And if he bounces back all the way, you basically you're getting the first round running back in the second round. It's just tough to trust though because the offense very much a work in progress with the Giants. But if he can reach his ceiling, he he could end up the best value out of any of those because all the other ones, those all those other ones are first round picks. Where with Saquon. Yeah, like I said, if he hits, he gets first-round value out of a second-rounder. So I would, uh, I'd be willing to take the chance on Saquon. A lot of times I can't get him, though, because he goes, like, late first, early second, and a lot of times I don't like swinging that high for him. If he falls into, like, the mid to late second, I'll take him all day. All right, we're speaking with the Guru Fantasy Football. Um, it is that time of the year. Uh, I am a big fan of Javante Williams, but Melvin Gordon is still a big part of their offense. How much does Melvin Gordon kind of diminish, I think, what could be a, a huge ceiling for Williams? Not too much because uh, Gordon himself already said that it's, uh, that it's Javante's backfield. So he's pretty much conceded that conceded that he's he's not going to be the main guy and and then I mean Devontae's such an elite talent to where I'm thinking he'll he'll be able to see most of the carries over there. It is a two back system though. Nathaniel Hackett comes over from Green Bay. They they ran a two back system there. I'm thinking they'll 
they'll do the same in Denver. Javante's not going to be as a true workhorse like Henry or Najee or McCaffrey, but I definitely think he'll see enough work to, to be in a, a nice second running back for fantasy and could be in a number one if something would happen to Gordon or if he just does so well to where they can't keep him off the field. What chances do you give that Cam Akers could become a huge steal by the end of the season? Hmm. Cam Akers, I think probably not too good, honestly, because he's coming off a torn Achilles. He is interesting, though, very interesting in that offense that tends to run a one-back system there. If he's healthy, he could be a steal, but he's already battling a thing as a hamstring and it's just, I mean, you've already got that before the season. It's not a good sign where I, I personally am fading acres. I was higher on him like earlier in the draft process, but now that we've gotten deeper into it and kind of see how these injuries are looking, it's, uh, it's not looking too good for him. Guys like him and JK Dobbins are, they're interesting. If you can get them at the right price, go ahead, but definitely don't reach for them because coming off major injuries, they, they're going to have some bumps in the room, most likely. So if we believe the talk that Antonio Gibson's like a third-string running back kick returner now, do, do like what is the ceiling for Brian Robinson? Yeah, I'm not buying that fully. I think Brian Robinson will have a big role there, a lot bigger than we were thinking after he was drafted. But I'm not panicking about Gibson completely. I'm not touching him. I mean, I, honestly, I'm not messing with any of those that backfield. If I can get Robinson late, I'll take a shot. But lately, Robinson's been climbing up draft boards. So I, that backfield, I think, is going to be a real mess with those three of them, Gibson, McKissick, and Robinson. I, I personally would just stay away from it unless you can get Robinson late. What odds would you give it that by the end of this season, DeAndre Swift will be like a top five or six um, running back in next year's draft? Pretty good. Pretty good, I'd say. Uh, yeah, he's someone I like a lot in dynasty leagues because I think he's got a lot of untapped potential there. And there's a good offensive line in Detroit. So, yeah, I'm thinking Swift has a, an even better year than last year. You know, he's had some injury concerns. It's like, you know, sore with every running back. But if he can stay on the field, yeah, I, I could definitely see him being a top five running back. One of the nightmare teams and the and running backs over the years has been the New England Patriots. But something tells me that this is the year to trust a Patriot running back. Am I fooling myself? Oh, uh, I think you might be on to something there because I, I'm I'm feeling Ramondre Stevenson is a nice mid to late round pick because I'm thinking he's going to mainly be him and Damian Harris. There's not a whole lot else there now that James White retired, so. They're saying Stevenson's looking good as a receiver out of the backfield. So I'm thinking that he could have a really nice year. And, and if Harris kind of would fall, there's a chance. That, I mean, see, they, every now and then Belichick will go with one back. He mainly runs committees, as we all know. It's frustrating trying to pick a Patriots running back. But there are a few years, you know, I like what Garrett Blunt did well over there and was a top ten running back. So I'm thinking if Stevenson continues to improve, he, he can end up a real value over there. So overall – from what all the draft, how many drafts have you done so far? Oh, Lord, probably like ten. <laughs> okay, so all the drafts you've done is has there been a theme that's a little different? Because it sure seems to me, and I don't study this a fraction of how much you do, but it sure seems to me there are a lot more wide receivers. I think like the thirtieth best wide receiver, just to throw out a number, seems better than it's been in like it seems like the the wide receiving core is deeper. And some of the other positions aren't. What what have you kind of noticed as you've gone through these drafts so far? 
Yeah, well, I, I do a bunch of different formats. I try to like diversify it to where I'm not in the same format in every league, you know, to keep it interesting. But uh, but generally in my PPR drafts, it tends to go, you know, the receivers go a lot. You know, it's a big re- big receiver on in the middle rounds. A lot of times you get to like the fifth or sixth, and they still got a bunch of receivers left. By the time you get to the ninth or tenth, the, the bones kind of pick clean there, and then you got to start taking chances on rookies and such so yeah to me it's one of those things you make sure to attack the receiver position in the middle rounds so you get a couple early ones too but as far as those depth pieces flex pieces there in the mid round definitely get definitely get those because if you like if you pass on them they're gonna they're gonna go you know they, they, there's a lot of them but they they when those runs happen those positional runs you can end up left behind so make sure not to get caught behind the receiver runs because there is depth but I mean, it's not an unlimited supply. So is K.J. Osborne the biggest sleeper in that scenario, or who, which receiver is? Oh, yeah, if you miss out on the run, yeah, because Osborne you can get basically for free. You know, yeah, K.J. Osborne, K.J. Hamler, even in Denver with Tim Patrick going, you know, it could be a sleeper, you know. So there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of sleepers to be had still. So, you know, uh, I mean, a lot of times Olave will fall like him a lot of the sleeper, Jarvis Landry, or especially with Michael Thomas having another injury. Hopefully it's nothing serious. But I feel like Olave and Landry are good values there. Late as well as those Green Bay rookies, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. I feel like Dobbs is on the target for now because he's hitting the reps. But later on, keep an eye on Watson. All right. Well, it's going to be a very inch fascinating fantasy year, I think. Appreciate your time, Guru. Take care. Yep, me too, Kevin. All right. No, I, I, I don't know. I When I was doing the draft, I just think there were receivers like crazy. And, you know, the league, the draft we had this past Saturday, we had 10 players. We draft six receivers. That's 60 receivers. And there were after 60 receivers were picked, there were still receivers like, man, I'd love to have that guy on my team as my fifth receiver. I mean, uh, I just think it's deeper than I can remember in recent years, the receiver uh, crop this year. But we'll see how it all plays out. All right, that'll do it. Uh, we'll come back after this timeout, finish out today's show on this rainy Thursday. Of course, I guess we can say that just about any day lately. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Casper the Quitter. Casper the Quitter. Now, the former New Orleans Saints longtime head coach who quit on the team after a tough season. Also known as Sean Payton. Now back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Two footnotes, it is still a long way there. I haven't actually started the countdown because it's too depressing. But, like, what are we probably 16, 17 days away from the start of the NFL season? It's still so long. I don't know if it's ever going to get here. But the good news about that is 
in a couple of areas, the 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 fact that it takes that long for the start of the season is probably good for the Saints, for guys like Michael Thomas, Pete Werner, and maybe even Jameis. Like, the fact, you know, while it's killing me because, you know, we've been talking about it for the anticipation is just so overwhelming. And the, and, you know, the waiting is so long. It's bad for people like me, but it, but it's probably good because Pete Werner probably needs time uh, for a groin injury. And Michael Thomas probably needs as much time as possible for the hamstring. So I get that there's a good side to this, no question. And it's probably best, but that doesn't make, that doesn't make the anxiety go down even in any more, um, you know, as we kind of just talk and think about this season and debate the roster and who should do this and need a running back or don't need a running back. And we need a backup linebacker or don't need a backup linebacker. And man, did you see Will Lutz make that 59 yard field goal? Yeah, but I still got 17 more days or whatever it is. Oh, it just, um, it's tough. It's tough. 17 days. When can you start a guy? That's that's such a high number. It, it it doesn't even do any good to start countdown with 17 days. 17 days. 17 more days of all I need the Astros bullpen to get somebody out. Because it could be a long 17 days if they keep giving up two and three runs every time they pitch. I mean, I'd make it. They need a hurry. They need to um something needs to happen. Fortunately, we don't have that long to watch some high school football again tonight. You can, uh, if you want to watch high school football tonight, and go to Cajun Field, a triple header starting at six. You can go to Clark Field for the Acadia Parish, Acadia Vermilion Parish game. They have, they'll have two games there, or you can go to New Iberia and watch the Sugarcane um, Jamboree game. So, lots of options if you want to see some high school football tonight, and and and. Many of the same options tomorrow. Uh, obviously, you have three more games at Cajun Field with the Lafayette Kiwanis Jamboree, but also you the uh, Katie of Vermilion Jamboree will be played tomorrow at Brobridge. Uh, you'll have the St. Landry Parish Jamboree tomorrow, uh, scheduled for Donald Gardner Stadium, and West, and also in St. Landry Parish, the Westminster. Jamboree is tomorrow. They have a triple header, and that includes such teams as Vermilion Catholic and Westminster, both Westminsters, obviously, and Ascension Episcopal. So lots of uh, high school football over the next two days. If you want a chance to go out and see some live football, it is there. And then next week we'll have regular season. So that those numbers aren't quite as long. Appreciate Coach McCullough coming on and the guru coming on and the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day and try to stay dry.